Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On today's special episode, we are going to rate our top 10 Partick Thistle players of the 21st century and we have established an eclectic panel to do so. Joining me, David Forrest. David, are you well? I am well. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this far more than I did the last three days trying to figure out what I was going to put in my list because, frankly, it was a torturous task. No, I'm not. I won't be doing it again anytime soon. Put it that way because it was an, it was proper Sophie's Choice stuff. Um, so yeah, but no, looking forward to getting into it. Ken Boswell's here. Ken, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Barryani's gone down the road. So uh, yeah, much like David, quite a task to put together a, a, a top ten out of the the venerables. It was. We'll discuss all of our omissions and um, inclusions in a moment. And rounding off our panel is Tom Hosey. Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm guessing eclectic means old since you've got me and Ken on. Well, me, me and David normally feel like the pensioners on the podcast, so we're, we're going roles reversal today. Uh, we've we need well. It's a it's a topic that needs a bit of experience. We can't go in and just talk about the the last five or six years. So we've got we've got a, a good mix on the panel. How we're going to do this? I'm going to ask all of our panelists to read out their own top ten Partick Thistle players of the 21st century. We've compiled these lists based on individual performances, contributions to team achievements, and longevity. Now, between the, the four of us, we have 19 different players. So I'm going to ask each of us to read out of our list and then we'll go through each player who has been included and have a, a couple of minutes chat on each one and then talk about maybe some players that missed out if we have time. David, I'll come to you first. Could you read your 10 in order, please? OK, so my order is number 10, Kenny Arthur. Number 9, David Rowson. Number 8, Thomas Cherney. Number seven, Martin Hardy. Number six, Stevie Lawless. Number five, Brian Graham. Number four, Alan Archibald. Number three, Chris Erskine. Number two, Stuart Bannigan. And number one, Chris Dolan. Thanks, David. Ken, do you want to go next? I suppose I should do it in reverse order as well. Uh, Right, so I'll go number 10, Kenny Arthur. Number nine, Gary Harkins. Number eight, Archie. Number seven, Fleming. Number six, Roberts. Number five, Lennon. Number four, Banzo. Number three, Erskine. Number two, Graham. And number one, Doolan. Thank you, Ken. And Tom, do you want to go? Um, well, I can put it in order you be as well, just asking me to name my favourite Beatle. That would be just as difficult <laughs> as to put this 10 into some sort of order because I love them all. Um, so can I just read it out in no particular order? I'll, pu- I'll push you for a number one, but go for a no particular order for the other nine. Right, okay. I'll, I'll go for a no particular order. Brian Graham, Scott Patterson, 
Stephen O'Donnell, Chris Doolan, Scott McDonald, Thomas Cherney, Ross Doherty, Alan Archibald, and Mark Roberts, and my number one, Chris Erskine. It's another strong 10. Uh, I've gone for Thomas Cherney at 10th, Liam Lindsay at 9th, Danny Lennon 8th, Martin Hardy 7th, Brian Graham 6th, Stuart Bannigan 5th, Chris Erskine 4th, Stevie Lawless 3rd, Alan Archibald 2nd and Chris Doolan 1st. So you have heard all of our top 10s. I'm going to read out some contributions from, from listeners a little bit later on. How we are going to do this, I have ordered these players so that we're going to talk about them in order from the players that were only mentioned on one list. We'll go through them, then we'll go for the players that were mentioned on two lists and three lists and then we will have a good old chat about the players that made all of our top 10. So we'll start with Scott Patterson, who I believe was on uh, your list, Tom. Yep. Why, um, why, why did he make that? He's just the personification of cool, as well as being a tremendous footballer. I'm not old enough to have seen Alan Hansen play for Thistle. I just missed Alan Hansen. But I think Scott Patterson was about as close from what I can gather to Hansen as there's ever been. Just a ball-playing defender. It was... He was just great to watch. As I say, he was just, he played football with a swagger. I just loved watching him. He was just cool. Yeah, I think the reason he's not made my list is uh, I started going regular to Thistle games about 2000. And, well, I started, my first game was 2004. I started going regularly a wee bit later. And the, the players who I didn't see play regularly, I've tried to, so Lennon and Hardy, I've tried to include just based on stats and a contribution. And maybe if I saw Patterson play, he might have made it in for me, but he just couldn't squeeze in the top 10. And then David or Ken, I don't know if you want a, a word on Patterson and how close he was to making your lists. Yeah, I mean, I, I did really struggle in terms of, again, I started going in a sort of 12-13 season on a sort of semi-regular basis. I was a of Fissile before. I went to Fissile games before that and have a, a rough working knowledge of the club. But it kind of it, it's when you're kind of comparing players from different eras, it's a bit difficult to kind of grasp. Like I can tell you about Scott McDonald or Liam Lindsay or whoever. I can tell you my experiences of them, but when you don't have that experience of them, it's a bit more d- difficult to pick a, a, a player. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of this is when it's your top ten players. It's down a lot of it's down to your personal experiences. I did try not to just have. You know, half the 12, 13 sided in Cherney, and you know, uh, I, I tried try and vary it up and put a couple of people in from before I was going regularly. Patterson is definitely one that is worthy of inclusion, but I think because of my recency bias, it's a bit more difficult to justify it when there was other people of that ilk that I could I could choose instead. I think uh, no, it's not an issue with Patterson or, or Shaggy, but uh, I mean, effectively because of injury, because the way he was. And, and Tom could correct me, so I could be totally incorrect about it. But I, I feel we got maybe one, one and a half really good seasons out of it. And Tom's absolutely right. You know, he epitomised what you want to see a footballer like. I mean, the free kick at Inverness sums it up. You know, and then Shaggy's career with Thistle, in a nutshell, it was just total gallusness. Yeah. But um, I, just, I just felt there were other players that I wanted in there more than I wanted. Shaggy, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have, yeah, you, 
we've discussed this, you can get a top 100 out of this quite easily, you know. Yep. Uh, Ken, I'll stick with you. You've included Derek Fleming. You were the only one that's included him. On your list, why has he made it into your top 10? I, I think the thing about Flea was that, uh, I mean, quite apart from the fact that he broke his leg scoring the, the goal down at St Mirren that took us up to the Premier League back in 2001, he, he was played all over the pitch, always gave everything. He just seemed to me to kind of almost epitomise an older, you know, because we're, we're only dealing with the 21st century, but Fleming seemed to come out of the 20th century and into the 21st. So I almost see him as a link to the Lambie team, you know, that, that, that brought us up from the second division. And I suppose I, I can see exactly why no one else has, has included Fleming. And he was still there when, when Dick Campbell was around, you know, and it was like he was just bewildered by the way he was getting played and I think he ended up at Livingston and then may well have retired after that but I just, I just you know Flea's free kicks as well were just extraordinary they were things of beauty you know and pretty much every time you get a free kick within about 25-30 yards he's going to hit this and he's it's going to be either in the net or, or the goalie's going to have to make a save. And, you know, that's that's purely reason. Much like Tom with Shaggy, you know, it's it's just one of those really, really personal things, you know? I think that there is obviously a degree of the, the personal relationship you have with a, a player and supporting them. And it's, out of all of the top 10s that were submitted on Twitter, I don't think anyone had an identical top 10. We don't have identical top 10s. So it is good to see so many players get a shout out. David, you had David Rousen in your top 10. You were the only one that picked him. Why did he make it into yours? Uh, much like yourself, when I was looking at the players from before I was going regularly, I, I, I tried to kind of get a broad of different eras. So I didn't want to just put in guys from, you know, the the Lambie promotion seasons and stuff like that or or whatever. I, I did try and have a broad spread to kind of cover the full 21st century. And with this one, it was he was around at the same time as Harkins. And it was kind of a, it was one of those choices of to have him or to have Harkins, who obviously we'll talk about later. And obviously Harkins was unbelievable for us when, when he played for us in his first spell. But he was only there for, what, two seasons? And, you know, if you're going based on stats, Rousen played more games than Harkins in both of those seasons and won player of the year in the 07-08 season. You know, and that as well. He was there for another three, four years after that. He was in the 12-13 side, obviously not as big a role as he was uh, back then, but he was still in that side. And as well as that, unlike Harkins, this was him coming back. When Harkins came back the second time, uh, the the fire had kind of faded a little bit and it it wasn't the same player. Whereas Rousen played for us in the 2002-03 season in the SPL, played loads of games, went away, came back years later, like five years later, and was continued to be as good. So I think it was just one of those things where looking at it, I couldn't put Harkins over him. And he, he just felt like he spanned two years. He played in the, fir- uh, the Premiership First Division, Second Division with us, one player of the year, and was a long-standing servant. It just kind of felt that he ticked the boxes in longevity and kind of, you know, diversity that I thought that, that that's why I put him in. Well, Ken, I'll come straight back to you then, because you did include Gary Harkins. Uh, you were going to games at that time. What what was it about Harkins at that time that, that made you include him in the top 10? And you can comment on, on David's comparisons to why he's got Rousen in as well. Totally. I mean, I think Rousen and Harkins, like, 
as footballers are completely different in the sense that Rouse, you know, I mean, right, I would have loved to include um, Rouser as well, especially for that celebration when he scored uh, on the last, and he was the last outfield player who had to score so that all the team had scored back in the, oh, what season was that? That was the 2008-2009 season. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, but, you know, Harkins was just gals. And he was so awful when he arrived. He was getting played at the back. And his first couple of games were just a car crash to watch. And then suddenly he's reinvented as this ball-playing, you know, sort of takers midfielder. And the one particular Harkins moment I remember is Dingwall on a Tuesday night. I've no idea how I ended Well, I've got a reasonable idea how I ended up there. And he was coming down the wing. We were 2-1 up. And he did this, it was like a boxer's feet kind of double shuffle thing with his feet. I went past the guy and the guy who he'd gone past in, in the Ross County side literally applauded him because it was so beautiful and delivered this cross. May well have ended up in a goal, but that's what I remember about Harkins. But that's what Harkins would do. He was just so languid. You know, there was just a laziness to him, but it wasn't lazy. It was considered. And it, it, at that time, it was just a lovely, lovely thing to watch, you know? Absolutely. Tom, I'll come to you on, we'll, we'll do another midfield comparison here because you were the only you were the only person out of the four of us not to include Stuart Bannigan, but you have included Ross Doherty, which I found a really interesting pick because I'm a big Ross Doherty fan, but I didn't really consider him for this, but it was interesting that you've picked him. Why has he got into your top ten? Well, first of all, I actually feel guilty that I didn't pick Banzo, especially with his, his testimonial coming up in the the colossal contribution he's made over the last just 13 years it is now since he made his first team debut. So I feel a bit guilty that I didn't include Banzo. And I think was, I know Dos Doherty is going to be a bit of a controversial choice because I know he wasn't universally popular with the Thistle support. But I think he was absolutely pivotal to our success of our team. The stats kind of bear that out with our points per game ratio when Doc was in the team and when Doc wasn't in the team. Um, he's not the most sexy of players, for want of a better expression. He's not like a Kyle Turner who score fantastic goals, make great passes. But the work that he does was intrinsic to the success of the team. Just winning balls at the edge of his own penalty box, breaking up play. I don't think we've had a better midfielder in that mould over the 21st century. In fact, I think there's a stat, and I quite remember where I heard it from. It might even have been this this podcast, that he was the most fouled player in the Championship last season, or one of the most fouled players in the Championship. And I think that speaks to the, the way he would break up attacks and withdraw a foul from the opposing player. Now, that doesn't get you a start for a goal, doesn't get you a start for an assist, but it's equally as important, in my opinion, and as I say, I don't think there's been a finer exponent of that than Ross Doherty. So you just got the nudge ahead of Banzo, which I say I do feel guilty about. <laughs> now, you've made a really good point. I think um, I didn't consider him, but I'm sort of, I am considering him now because even if you look on paper, he's he's a league-winning captain for us and we, we don't have too many for them as well. And I, I totally agree. I think we will miss him in, in some tough games this season. I think Stanway's the, the closest we've got to him. He's still young, but I think Doherty will be a huge miss this season. 
another stat about him last season. I think our points per game total when he was in the side was was the highest out of the entire squad. So that's a good case you've made for Docherty there. You've, you've made me think, Tom. Uh, I'll go for Liam Lindsay next. I was the only one that included Liam Lindsay. I think I did this just because of how good he was at centre-back. I think he had the best individual season, maybe out of anybody that, I, that I've included. To get into the Premiership Team of the Year, um, that's such a unique achievement for us. Um, I think he scored seven goals that season from centre-back, and that was in the league. He scored eight goals um, in all competitions. At the time, where he was sold for a club record fee, and he was he was really key to that top six, that top six achievement, which again part of a, a huge team achievement, the best league finish in, in fifty years now. Um, so that's why I've included Liam Lindsay. Ken, you've stuck your hand up. Is is there a reason he didn't make your top ten? Was he in consideration for you? I really considered Lindsay because he was. You're you're absolutely right. He was so pivotal to that team. You know, it was. Connor comes in and it, it, it's almost like hope. You're like, he's going to get in the end of this. And, you know, again, like Harkins, he was one of the ones where he gets sent off against Dundee because he was getting an absolute doing from, oh, was it Fotheringham? Oh, I can't remember the name of the player. And he just, you know, just one foul too many. And this was quite early in the season. And he learned from it. And then he had an absolutely fantastic season. After that, you know, in, in, in terms of defensive partnership at the back, Lindsay was a hard one to keep out of my list as well because obviously it's a wee while ago now, you know, that he, he came through the team. And then you see the name and you're like, oh, Lindsay was amazing that season, yeah. I, I just going back to Tom's point about Ross Doherty, I thought about Ross Doherty, but he ruined my laptop by scoring the lap, late equaliser against Kilmarnock and I knocked beer all over my laptop keyboard because of that. And it cost me basically 500 quid. So I couldn't put Doherty in there. That That is fair. We'll, we'll allow that, Ken. <laughs> I think just a last point on Liam Lindsay, just to reiterate. If he'd had that season in the Championship, I probably wouldn't have included him. But that's the sort of highest performing Partick Thistle team I've seen. And he was the best player in it. So uh, that's why Liam Lindsay's made my list. Uh, we've got a couple more players who just got one nomination. I think they were both from you, Tom. So I'll start with Stephen O'Donnell. And uh, this was... In, in Ryder Cup terms, he would probably have been my 11th or 12th man. But what got him into your 10, Tom? Um, I think it's a 12th, 13th thing for me because I just love that that team to bits. I could quite easily have just picked 10 from that team. I think you can make a case for quite a lot of that team to be in a top 10 for the 21st century. So I think I like particularly because he made the most out of his career. Um, he was freed by Celtic. I remember somebody saying to me when we signed him, that's just Jackie signing somebody from Celtic. It's jobs for the boys kind of thing. I'm thinking, well, no, let's just give him a chance. And I think he was a very much a confidence player. I don't think he quite believed he was as good as what he could be. And I just love the fact that he went on and goodness, how many caps that is he's got for Scotland now. Is it something outrageous like 20 to 30 caps for Scotland. Yep. For this this player that came to us, I think he was still a teenager, raw, low in confidence. And when he went up and down that right-hand side, it was just, it was a joy to watch, especially when you had Taylor Slinker on the other side as well. Don't think we've had two. Well, I think we've got one. I think we've probably got two now, actually. McMillan and, and Millen, I think, are very similar to what O'Donnell and Taylor Slinker were 10 years ago. 
So maybe in 10 years' time, we'll be having similar conversation. It'll be Jack McMillan instead of Stephen O'Donnell and Harry Millen instead of Taylor Sinclair, if anybody's put in Taylor Sinclair. I think I, I'm sort of regretting not putting in a fullback because I think the hallmark of all the good Thistle teams in my lifetime have been good, positive attacking fullbacks. So I'm, I'm sort of kicking myself for, for not doing that. David, do you want to come in? Yeah, I, I just, when Tom mentioned about like the Scotland caps, like what, what's the, 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 I think there's a quiz question who had like more Scotland caps, Alan Hansen or Stephen O'Donnell? And it was like Stephen O'Donnell, like Stephen O'Donnell. I don't think he is a, our, our most cap ex whistle player, but he must certainly be up there in terms of people getting captures. I, I yeah, I absolutely love Stephen O'Donnell. Um, he was fantastic for us, and I really love him for Scotland. I mean, how could you not love the guy who absolutely pocketed Jack Grealish and asked him where he got his hair done and what he done for his skincare routine to wind him up and stuff like that? It's just a sensation, it's a sensational performance, but. Yeah, I, yeah, I absolutely love him, and he's gone on to have a, an established career in England and Scotland. And I mean, we—I think there's no better sign of how good a player it was that both me and you, Matt, went to watch him play for Motherwell Reserves against Thistle at the K Park just to see Stephen O'Donnell. No interest in the actual Thistle Reserves, just Stephen O'Donnell, a, a box office man, and a, he's good. He, he does good fairy cakes as well, apparently, according to the terrace. Yeah, he would have been 11 on my list, I think. I'm, I'm sorry that he's not made it. Uh, Tom, the last player who only got one nomination again on your list is Scott McDonald. This is a, another one that I didn't really consider, I think, just due to the duration of his, his stay in a drag shirt, but I'm so open to be convinced that he, he deserves a place in the top 10. I'm going to have to admit to a bit of a man crushing Scott McDonald. I think what maybe goes against him a wee bit is just the duration of his time at Firhill. I mean, it was only, I don't know, was it even as much as four months? But the contribution, I think, elevates him into my, my top 10. I'm going to be quite controversial. The second half of that Gary Caldwell season, I quite enjoyed because I felt that Caldwell addressed some of the issues, albeit he only addressed them in kind of short term, and he made us a better team. And it was actually not bad to watch the second half of that season. I mean, I know it went tits up. I'm not trying to make a case for Gary Caldwell, um, unless we're doing worst thistle managers ever. <laughs> but I just felt that the contribution that McDonald made was really significant. The way he conducted himself on the pitch and off the pitch, I thought was absolutely tremendous. He really bought into the ethos of playing for Partick Thistle. Um, and I think, had he not got such a good offer to go back to Australia, I think he probably would have played again for us the following season. I just, and he was a player that I absolutely hated when he played against us. Yeah. Much like Brian Graham was a player that I hated when he played against us. And I very soon became aware that he was just a much better player than what I thought and a much better person than what I thought. So that's why... Yeah. That's why Skippy got in for me. I think the Brian Graham comparison is perfect, Tom, because as you say, the exact type of player you don't appreciate how good they are until they play for your club. Um, but yes, that's another really good shout. Ken, do you want to come in there on McDonald? I can I just mention about Stephen O'Donnell? I mean, it's that goal against Dundee United where he dumps Paul Payton in his arse and then, you know, the Lyle Taylor move with the, the throw-out from the... the and every time it turns up on Twitter, I cheer when when he scores. Uh, but as far as Scott McDonald goes, that's it's a really strange one, Tom, because I know exactly what you mean. See, when he came on as a, 
a substitute for the first time up at Aloha. And he comes in the pitch and, you know, there was quite a decent thistle support there. And they kind of groaned because it was like, all right, here we go. And within about, it was him and Doolan playing up front that day. And Doolan was, you know, working away as he always does. and But he wasn't getting any joy. And within about 15 seconds, Scott McDonald had got a foul, moaned at the referee, and he scored that day. And he came round the back of the the goal and just basically opened up his hands with a kind of, this is what I do thing. And we were like, you're all right. You get it. And see, when he was on TV, he would refer to us as we. And you don't get that from ex-old firm players, by and large. So I know exactly what you mean about Scott McDonald. And I mean, I don't think, when I saw his name, I was like, oh, yeah, Skippy, you know. But he wasn't quite, he wasn't going to be in my top 10. Tom, on you go. Just one final very quick point on Scott McDonald. I thought when the fact that he made Lewis Mansell look like a half-decent player at times speaks volumes for the kind of striking partner that he was. That's, that's very valid. In terms of listener correspondence, thank you to everybody who got in touch. Lots of really interesting top tens. I didn't have time to read all of them. We'll be here probably for another hour. I'm going to read some some players who got shout-outs that we've not spoken about. Andy has included Alex Burns, Liam Buchanan, James Grady and Lyle Taylor in, in his top ten. Uh, Jack Meadows on Twitter, he's included Chick Charlie in our top 10. I think Charlie's just been omitted because he did most of his good work in, in the 90s. I, th- I think that's why he's probably been admitted. Uh, Alan McMillan and Jimmy McDonald have included Callum Higginbotham. I think he was a he was unlucky to miss out. Um, EP has included Scott Tiffany, so is Andy as well. And Cammy on Twitter has included Johnny Tuffy, who did get a, a quick shout out. So lots of great Lots of great players getting a mention, so thank you to everyone who was on touch on Twitter. Right, I'm going to put you all on this spot now because we have 11 players left to mention. The next five players have all got two nominations, right? So one of these five players is going to truly miss out on the, the official draw, loser, draw top 10. So I'm going to come around you all to ask you which one is going to be our 11th best player. So with two nominations, we have Stevie Lawless, Martin Hardy, Danny Lennon, Mark Roberts and Kenny Arthur. David, who who are you placing in 11th from that five? Uh, Mark Roberts. Ken? Mark Roberts. Tom? Kenny Arthur. Then I'm going for somebody different. Sorry, Kenny. I will go I will go Mark Roberts as well. So Mark Roberts will be our 11th player. Kenny Arthur can sneak in at number 10. Tom, you, you kept Roberts in, so you start. Why why do you like Mark Roberts and what are your memories of him in a thistle shot? Um, one of the best finishers I've seen in a thistle jersey. Never blasted the ball into the back of the net, always placed it. An exceptional player and a very ordinary side. One thing that probably maybe goes against him is he probably kept Dick Campbell in a job for six months longer than he probably would have got had it not been for, for Roberts. I think even purely in financial terms, you could make a case for the that he he saved our club, or at least saved our club as a full time club, scoring that injury time penalty at Inverness that got as a cup replay that was televised that we won, that then got as a televised cup tie against Hearts, scoring a couple of goals in the playoff semi final against Trinvar, scoring the equaliser on the day up at Peterhead, 
when we ultimately got up through that playoff. These are significant moments in our club's history. And that coupled with the fact that he was a damn good striker, that's why in my top ten. Uh, David, you chose you chose to include Martin Hardy over over Robertson. I agreed with you. Why why did he just get the nod for you? I just feel again this is kind of a you know outside pick outside looking in sort of pick. I just feel that Martin Martin Hardy has I think he's just had more of a cult sheen to him. Like he's still fit, fondly remembered and. You know, you still get the big momentum Martin Hardy chant from time to time and, you know, it spawned other ones and stuff like that. I just feel that he he's had a more lasting impact and that he is, if you were someone who didn't see him, you're more likely to know him than you are Matt Roberts. Although even though both are really good, I think Martin Hardy just has something about him that makes him just a wee, a wee bit more memorable. Yeah, I'm going to pass this over to you, Ken, in a minute, just because you've you've got more you'll have more recollections than myself and David on these two players. But I included Hardy as well, just for his goal scoring record in successful teams. He was the second top goal scorer in the 2000-2001 season, and then he was the top goal scorer in the 0-1-0-2 season with back-to-back titles, 16 goals in each season. And then I've also included Danny Lennon. And again, this is just because you, you, you hear Danny Lennon was a good player. I've, I've seen clips of that season. And he was he was the captain, so that's why Danny Lennon got in my ten. So Ken, why are Danny Lennon and Martin Hardy deserving of being in being in the drawers or draw top ten? Well, I don't have Hardy in my top ten, um, but what I will say is I actually asked Bob Crampsey if Martin Hardy is the only player who has ever played in consecutive leagues in consecutive seasons, and he is. He he came to us on loan, so he started off in Division 2, came up to us in Division 1, obviously we won that and played in the Premiership in consecutive seasons. And Bob Crampsey couldn't find any record of any other player than, and he'd started off the season with, I was going to say Albion Rovers, but it wasn't, it might have been East Fife or something like that. Anyway, that um, super Danny Lennon, just nothing else to say. The only man to score goals to international venues and be a Thistle player because obviously he scored the Wraith Rovers goal over there when he was captain over at Wraith and scored at Hamden against Queen's Park in the team with uh, Mark McKinley. Anyway, um, no, Danny Lennon was the captain of that really, really good team and again, much like Fleming, it's a link with the, the kind of pre-21st century era. Backwards Danny used to always play the ball backwards but it was with purpose. He was a great player for us. The wee, the wee runs that uh, Trigger used to do past Danny, and Danny would just slide the pass through to him. Absolutely beautiful. Really, really amazing. Tom, do you want to come in on those two players? Yeah, I'm just going to say it was actually Stirling that we got Martin Hardy from, and I wonder if there might be a player from Gretna that's subsequently done the same as Hardy, which I hadn't realised until Ken mentioned that. That's a, a great start, which I might well be making use of at some point. Um, I think he's Ken's dead right about Danny, Danny Lennon. He just missed out in my my top 10. Did he captain both the second division and the first division? I think he probably did. So he's a double yeah. captain money. Um, so I mean, it's, he's probably my Adrian Moronk of the, <laughs> of the top 10. Martin Hardy, another one that just, I think, just missed out in my top 10. Great player. I remember when he was scoring goals for fun, that the press kept calling him a striker. I think, well, no, you're not a striker. He's a, he's a midfielder. 
that just kind of speaks to the, the volume of the goals he was scoring. I think him and Trigger must have both been both close to the 20 mark that season. So again, Martin Hardy is, is a great shout to be included and one that say it just missed out in my 10. David, I'll, I'll come to you on Kenny Arthur. David, he's made it into to your top 10. You've got two goalkeepers in your top 10, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of. I'm, I'm almost embarrassed I've not matched you there as part of the goalkeepers union. Why has Arthur made it into your 10? So when when I looked at this, right, again, like I started going to games in like 12, 13, right, uh, on the regular. However, I knew of Kenny Arthur, even as a goth in the cat house who, hadn't, who didn't watch anything that wasn't the Champions League final, I still knew who Kenny Arthur was and that he was a brilliant Thistle goalkeeper. If you put a gun to my head and said, name a player from the 2000s that plays for Partick Thistle, I wouldn't even need to breathe to say Kenny Arthur. More so than Alan Archibald, Arthur is Thistle for me, and he is Thistle 2000s. He is literally D.H. Morris incarnate. That is what he is. He was a fantastic goalkeeper. I think he's got like 45 clean sheets or something like that for us. I think only Snedden has a higher record. I could be wrong on that, but um, he has a, a sensational record for us. And he, he was just always there. Even like the... It just always felt like, even in the years where he wasn't employed of his, he still felt that he haunted the corridors of Fahal and was always just kicking about. And yeah, I mean, you can see the sort of the work that he's done with like Jamie Snedden and Kieran Wright, Uno in the, the League One winning season where he was a goalkeeping coach. And they, they, they've they talked about how good Kenny Arthur was. And you do see goalkeep, goalkeepers who played for us and they talk about how how good Kenny, you know, Kenny Arthur was as a uh, goalkeeping coach, but yeah, it is literally just a case of more so than Archie. I just think of Kenny Arthur as being part of Thistle 2000. In fact, to the point where we done the quiz last year and you says who was in goals for Thistle against Rangers in the Scottish Cup semi-final and I went, I don't know, but it will probably be Kenny Arthur because he named me a game between about 2000 and 2013 and I'd probably say Kenny Arthur was in goal and he was. So it got me a point in the quiz. So for that alone, Top 10. One of the reasons I like doing episodes like these is it always brings up topics that I want to do other episodes on. <laughs> Tom mentioned Gar- the second half of the Gary Caldwell era, and I- I'm so up for doing an episode on that, because I agree with you, Tom. I-, I quite liked the second half of that season. I thought we were OK. Uh, and if he handled things better over the summer... Anyway, that's, a, that's an episode for another day. David, I, I had theories about Kenny Arthur as a goalkeeper coach, which I- I- I'm glad to say have been debunked in recent seasons, and I would love to take them on to another episode with you. Um, I'd love to get Kenny Arthur on, actually, to, to chat about it. A goalkeeper nerd. So, Ke- Kenny Arthur, I think, very deserving of a place in, in our top ten. Absolutely. One other thing I just want to say on Danny Lennon, he's also got the, the greatest performance I've ever seen from a Thistle player. And you were there with me, Matt, when we watched um, it. It was, of yep. course, Mary Hill Juniors in that Legends game. Man was running about as if he was wearing slippers. Uh, I've never seen a performance like it. He, he looked like a homeless man, let's be honest. And he just turned up and, good grief, I've never seen a performance like it. What a player. I'd take I him in now. He strolled it. Ken, final word? Final word for the Mary Hill Juniors performance. Him and Marco, right? Yep. And Amy Aaron's giving her dad total pelters. <laughs> yeah, Just going, get off the pitch, dad. You're rubbish. And that. But yeah, David's absolutely right about Danny Lennon at Mary Hill Juniors. I've got a photograph with Danny Lennon. He looks like a wee walnut, you know. And but but you know, silky, amazing. <laughs> 
Um, the last player that only got two nominations, now I'm, I was actually stunned at this because I put him in number three in my list. Stevie Lawless. Ken and Tom, I'm going to come to you for, for your defence on this. You didn't include him. Uh, Ken, why did Stevie Lawless not make your top ten? That's that's a really hard one. Because the 2012-2013 team was so good, Lawless's two goals against Livingston through there, absolutely incredible. Outside of that, he was just, you know, he was a, not a cog. That's And this season, because I came back from holiday quite late, I haven't seen the renaissance of Stevie Lawless. You know, the reflowering of Stevie Lawless. I've seen hints of it. But I, I haven't had, I haven't seen the full picture yet, and you know, he was really really good. But I, I again, it's within the context of the 2012-13 team, and I mean, he uh, again, he's one of these players that would have been very very easy to include, but there were other ones that had to come in ahead of him. That's just that's just my opinion, you know. Tom, what about you? Um, I don't think I can make a, an argument really for not including him other than <clears throat> somebody had to miss out. All the plaudits that he gets I think are richly deserved. He was tremendous last season, particularly in the, the lead up to the end of the season. He's been, albeit the last couple of games, but by all accounts he's been, he was tremendous against Queen's Park. Scored a really good goal down at Capilo on Saturday. You know, it's very difficult to find a cogent argument to say that he doesn't deserve being included, other than I had 10 a rate better than him, or not better than him, I personally like more than him. It's a bit of a rubbish answer to the to the question. I just, there, there is no coherent argument for, his, for him not being included, really. I, I think he's in for me, and he's, he's in so high for me, and I can't back this up with any stats. It's just the eye test. I think Chris Dillon is my favourite Partick Thistle player, but I'd say Stevie Lawless is probably the player I've enjoyed watching the most. I, I can't really explain it in any other way. He's, he's, my th- he's three on my list and he's comfortably in my top ten, but I'm glad we've, we've agreed that he's, he's made it into our draw, loser, draw, joint top ten. We'll move on to the players that got three nominations in. This is the top six. Now, Stuart Bannigan, uh, due to time issues and also promotion of another episode, we're not going to discuss Stuart Bannigan. He's comfortably in. Tom has discussed why Ross Docherty got the edge. He was the only one that didn't include Stuart Bannigan. But if you would like to hear us chat about Stuart Bannigan, we did release a podcast last week all about Stuart Bannigan. So go and listen to that. The other player that got three nominations was Thomas Cherney. Ken, you were the only one that didn't include Cherney. Why did he not make it into your top ten? You only need one goalie. That's... uh, Yeah, you're right. Cherney... Cherney was great for us that uh, over over the, the the course of two seasons, but ultimately not as a goalkeeper myself. And you know what? You know the goal. It, when this goes out, the goalkeepers union are going to have an absolute pile on on me. You know, I can't remember anything apart from Cherney lying in the ball for hours. You know, the, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. great. <laughs> so. He's not getting in my top 10, is what I'm saying here. He's, he's in my top 10. I think I put him in at number 10, actually. Yeah, I put him in at number 10. I had to have a goalkeeper in, and it, I was sort of 50-50 between Cherney and, and Arthur. And, and Tuffy actually was in my mind as well, but Cherney just got, I think, he had a higher ceiling than, than both of the other two. Um, so Cherney got into my top 10. 
We will chat now the four players who made it into all of our top tens and we'll make it into the trolleys or draw top four as a result. We'll start with Brian Graham, who inspired this podcast after discussions about his Thistle legacy on Saturday night. We are recording this on Wednesday, the Saturday after our 4-1 win against Morton. David, what does Brian Graham mean to you? I mean, Brian Graham is... He, he is Mr Thistle at the moment. Um, he He's basically the Doolan region. It's basically what he is at this point. He like when we lost, when we lost Doolan, we we all wondered how we would ever cope without him. Um, we, we spent ages trying to find a replacement for him, but we just never thought we would get someone in that mould um, who would who would get the club and love the club as much as Doolan did, and also be a good goal scorer. And Brian Graham is that. Brian Graham can score thirty yarders, but he can also get tap ins, and he, he just he just loves it so much, and, and, and we love it. We we talk about the battle fever sometime. You with like the tickets and stuff like that. There is no man who installs the battle fever more than Brian Graham, and we kind of worked as based on the player only. I mean, what's his goal total now? Is it like fifty six, seven, something like that? He's He's got a stupendous amount of goals for three and a bit years, and you could I could see him getting a hundred. I'm not gonna lie, like I could, I think we none of us really expected. Maybe last year thought this will be a sort of swan song season. Then he'll maybe sail off in the sunset, become full time women's coach, something like that, take over from the call, something like that. I could see him going another year or two, and I could see him getting to a hundred in all competitions because. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just he, his standards just don't slip. He's just always there, and he always loves the team. And you know, he's, there was an amazing interview from last season that he done. It was a twenty-minute interview at halftime, and he talked about his experiences at Thistle before he joined the club and stuff like he used to live in Mary Hill and things like that. And it it just made me fall in love with him so much more than I ever thought I could. And yeah, it's just he's just brilliant. I think he's maybe joined just a season or two late to get to 100, David. I'm hoping if, if on the off chance he listens to Draw, Lose or Draw, hearing somebody say he probably won't get to 100 will be his motivation to get to 100. But yeah, he's been the top goal scorer in, in every full season he's played for Thistle. He's, he's a League One winner. and He's the talisman, isn't he? He's, he's brilliant. Ken? I, I mean, when we signed Brian Graham, you were like, yeah, twilight of his career, good backup striker. Quite happy with that. And, I mean, talk about a player proving you wrong. I mean, see the look in his face. You're you're absolutely right about the whole battle warrior thing. It's just mad, you know. The goals on Saturday, I mean, two different goals. The second one was just, oh, superb, you know. And, you know, this is a guy who's struggling with backing. You know, he's 36, I think. I, I could be wrong about that. But he's, you know, and the fact that Ayr were willing to come in and try to buy him over the summer and we turned him down. And I think one of the things that probably helps here is that Doolan recognises something in Brian Graham. You know, there's a simpatico thing there. Yeah, just probably the outstanding player of the last five years, six years. I'd, I'd be quite happy to go with that, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think since we get relegated, probably Graham would be the, the standout man. Tom, a final word on Graham? Yeah, just kind of talking about his age. I'm not sure if it's 36 or 37, but is there a fitter player on our team? Somebody even 
10 years younger than him. I think he's got he's the fitness of, I mean, yes, yeah, he's got those issues with his back, but I mean, in general, all-round fitness, do we have a fitter player? And I actually think he's a better player now than he was when we signed him at first. I don't know whether that's down to, ex, you know, just experience. So I just generally think he is a better all-round footballer than what he was when we signed him at first. And in terms of getting to the 100 goals, I think maybe that might be a wee bit beyond him, but I I think he could play till he's 40 and at a good level till he's 40. So if that's another three years and you're talking 10, 15 goals a season, you know, he might not be far off it. But one thing I would say is if we go up to the Premier League, that we hope we do, then that might be a step too far for him. But again, you say maybe if he listens to this and we get promoted, he'd want to prove, shove those words down my, down my throat. But yeah, I mean, I just think he's a better player now than what he was when we signed him. I'm not sure if that, if anybody else agrees with that or not, but I genuinely think. I, I, I definitely agree with that, Tom. I, th- I don't know if he's just getting more and more used to surroundings. He's more and more settled in. He obviously gets on with the fans brilliantly, but yeah, he's got no, he's no signs of letting up. I will need to correct you just in case he is listening. He's still 35, turns 36 in November. Um, shares a birthday with Doctor Who. All great things on the 23rd of November. We have three um, players Dr. left Dr. to run. Say yep, sure. What you've done with the women's team is amazing. You know, in terms of the coaching, in terms of getting players to stay, what Brian Graham has, has done with the Thistle women's team, in terms of generating light and heat with it, superb. Absolutely. I think just a, f- a final point on Graham. I think that what he's doing with the women's team is, is, a, is a definite pathway to one day managing Thistle. I know we all said, oh, Chris Dillon will manage one day and, and it's happening. I, I can see a sort of similar future for Brian Graham. Three more players to, to talk about. Alan Archibald next. Ken, talk to me about Alan Archibald. Starting off as a kid, getting relegated, save the Jags, all that kind of thing. Comes back, absolute linchpin of the defence all the way through the early thousands. Comes back, manages this, you know, obviously goes away to Dundee United. Mr. Thistle for for basically two decades, I would have to say. That yep. that that's all you have to have Archie in there, you know, from being a Wayne, basically, yep. to to being a manager. So self effacing and you think if he'd been more bullish about it, you know, would he be oh, it's all if and spots, it's hypotheticals. But, you know, an amazing player for us. Just read everything perfectly. And that left foot, geez, oh, fantastic. I think it's easy to forget how many good teams Archie was a part of. He's got quite the CV. He's been involved with so many league wins as a player and a manager. But he did get a, a medal as a player in the, in the 12-13 season as well, which I think is easy to forget. David, do you want a word on Archie? I, I mean, he's the love of my life. Um, it's, yeah, I... I, I Archie, again, like it's basically Kenny Arthur and Archie for me in the two thousands. Like just part of the woodwork, incredible, incredible player at his time. That broke Dougie Emery's nose. I mean, you might as well stick him number one for that alone. <laughs> um, took over the the twelve thirteen side when McNamara left and still won his the league title. Um, despite having no managerial experience, you know he's been an amazing player for us. He took us to our top finish in fifty years. He won his League One title as an assistant manager as well. He just seems like the loveliest guy. Has a great love for the club. He he is a Thistle man. He, he's a, he's a he's a postal Wayne who became 
a Mary Hill, a Mary Hill man and becoming a Fiscal fan my entire early years as a, a proper Fiscal fan where Archie as manager for what five six years and my entire formative years have been defined by him which is odd because there'll be a generation of people before me whose formative years were also defined by him as well so yeah um just one of the greatest I'll ever play for us and yeah uh, one one of the best other managers as well. I, I love Alan Archibald, and I think I've said this privately, but I'm I'm putting it on record now. I think if we got Alan Archibald on the podcast, I would I would interview Alan Archibald and then hand my draw as a draw resignation in because it would not get any better than that. Tom Chris Erskine was your number one. Why is he your favourite Jags player of this century? Do I have to? I mean, it's Chris Erskine. Is that not enough of an explanation? Yeah, we can leave. We can leave it there if you like. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Just one of the most skillful, most entertaining players that I've ever had the pleasure to watch, um, and a very humble man as well. Just a joy to watch when he was on form. He had some not so good games, or not so good games, and then a flash of brilliance. But just when he was on, some just an absolute joy to watch. Uh, again, part of that great 12-13 team, but also massive contribution after that, keeping us in the Premiership, getting us into the top six. Yeah, just just love the man to bits. Ken, how how to, how close was Chris Erskine to being your number one? Or is he your number one? He's not my number one, but uh, the goal against Falkirk, the one where he just wheels away, and he, he doesn't do a, you know, Brian Graham's a slight, so fist up in the air and everything. Erskine just turns around and goes, it's like the great British Bake Off. Here's what I do. He just shows you the palms of his hands. Oh, what a player to watch. You know, the, the game against Airdrie, but the one we won, 1-0, absolutely, you know, sort of really up against it. And then he volleys it from 35 yards out and he just turns around and goes, it's what I do. That's that's. He's not my number one, but honestly, I mean, I I could watch Erskine Erskine YouTube videos for for months, you know. Absolutely. Um, I I, I feel like it's a shame that we we've not broken this this theme up into numerous numerous episodes because we could have got hours worth of content probably out of everyone who's made the top ten. David, last player. A unanimous choice. If he's not on anybody's top, if he's not on your particular top ten of all time, never mind the twenty first century. I think I think you're doing it wrong, Chris Doolan. Is is there anything else to say? I, I mean, I, I I think I mentioned this anecdote before, and here I don't know if I have. So when we got the Kingsford Capital kit, the, remember they had the big signing in George Square, and you meet all the players and Kings. They ran about scaring children. It was all a good laugh. I met Chris Doolan. And he signed my scarf that I've got there. I still have that scarf on a hook by my door in case my house goes on fire so I can grab it on the way out of the door. No joke. I'm, I'm never wearing it to a game. Of course not. It's got Chris Dillon's signature on it. Uh, he is, I, I am not a religious man. He he is the closest I have to a deity. It, just the loveliest person ever. I I can't I don't I don't like speaking to him because I I just get like he he doesn't deserve to speak to mere mortals like me he deserves to be doing other godlike things he's just the greatest that I'll ever see I'll never see a better player than him at Farhill it is literally he is our Larson to Celtic that that is the only way I can describe it to people who are not Fiscal fans 
no, nothing will ever stop me absolutely loving him. And yeah, he, he deserves everything in the world and more. I, I don't really know what else to say that hasn't been said about Chris Dillon. I think he's just everything we love about Partick Thistle. And we're so lucky to have him at back of the club. And I think we should enjoy it while it's still there. We'll quickly round off the, the draw, lose or draw official top 10. And we've we've made it a top 10 between the four of us. So in no particular order, we have Kenny Arthur, Danny Lennon, Martin Hardy, Stevie Lawless, Thomas Cherney, Stuart Bannigan, Brian Graham, Chris Erskine, Alan Archibald and Chris Dillon. That is the draw, lose or draw top 10 Partick Thistle players of the 21st century. Now to round off this episode, I'm going to quickly ask you, if you could put any one of those players into another Thistle team, who would you choose and why? Uh, in, in 30 seconds or less, please. Ken, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to put Danny Lennon in the current Thistle team, uh, just to play alongside Banzo and uh, just show him how you pass the ball backwards properly. David? Brian Graham, next to Dolan, 17-18 season. We'd have won the league. We'd have won the league. Um, we'd have smashed top six in Europe. We we would be like the reigning UEFA Super Cup holders. And if we had Dolan and Graham up front in 17-18. So I, Graham, 17-18. And Tom? I think David's pinched my hands. 17-18 was the year we got relegated, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yep, I would have had Brian Graham in that team because that team would not have been relegated with with a talisman like him up front. We'd still be in the Premiership right now. Yeah, and and Graham might have got to 100 goals by now as well. Dylan might have got to, might have got to 200. We'll never know. Tom, final question. Again, I'd love to have another full episode on this with you. Who's winning the Ryder Cup in one word? Uh, Europe. Good answer. 15-13. Smashing. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. To David, to Tom and to Ken, thank you very much for joining me. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for sending in all of your top tens. Thank you for all your contributions. It was really good to, to see so many people get in touch. In the meantime, stay safe.